Well, good morning. I'm Rod Ritchie, according to your bulletins anyway. (laughs) Rod said this last week, but I just want to say it again that if uh, we're still looking for teachers for Sunday school classes, but because of that, some of the kids are in with us that aren't normally here, and I just want to say we love having you here, kids. So welcome. We're glad you're part of us. You're as much of the body of Christ as all of us. And so uh, we're glad you're here to worship with us together today. When I was a kid, one of my favorite shows was Mission Impossible. It always started out with this amazing scene where they get this message from whomever. And it said, "Your your mission, should you choose to accept it, is... And it was always some fabulous, secretive mission that seemed absolutely impossible to carry out. But due to their, all the extensive gadgets they had and their skill and their ingenuity, even though it sounded impossible, they were always able to pull it off. You know, the end result was never really in doubt. They could do the impossible. Well, we're looking at the life of Moses in Exodus And Moses is given a task by God that Moses sees as clearly mission impossible. He's called to go and bring the people of Israel, the nation, out of their slavery to the most powerful nation on earth. And he's to go initiate this whole thing after he had to run for his life from Egypt before and he had no other resources at all. And as we'll see in our passage today, Moses really struggled to trust God. God, you can't be calling me to do this. (laughs) Because from his perspective, the mission really was impossible. And the end was not guaranteed, again, from his perspective. He's encountered God, the true God, at this burning bush. And would you and I encounter the true God, the creator of the universe, not some made-up God, not some God that we think He is, but the true God, He always calls us to be more than we think we can be. He always challenges us to the mission impossible, (laughs) to be part of building His kingdom, to trust Him in ways that look like it's crazy to trust Him. He challenges us to tasks that can only be done by faith. So today, as we look at the book of Exodus and as we look at Moses, I think we'll be challenged to realize it's okay to struggle to trust God like Moses did. But as we look at his life, we can be inspired to trust God, to step out into those mission impossibles that seem too big for you and me to handle. So turn with me, if you haven't yet, to Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at uh, verse 10 and following. Again, we're in the book of Exodus, a book where God is creating the people of God. In the book of Genesis, God began to call a family. But now he's creating a nation, a whole nation that can follow him, worship him, trust him, depend on him. He blesses them so that they can be a blessing in their worlds. Just like God is working in our lives, creating a people who can be a covenant community 
that as he blesses us, we're meant to be a blessing in this culture, in this world that so desperately needs a Savior. And as God does that, he uses ordinary people like Moses, like you, like me. Isn't that marvelous that we get to be part of his plan? So let's look at God's call and his provision. Starting in verse 10, we see God's call. So now, God says, out of the burning bush to Moses, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? (laughs) Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God says, you're I want you to go, go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. But, you know, Moses is understandably hesitant. Let me remind you of why. Moses was raised in Egypt for 40 years as Pharaoh's, in Pharaoh's own household, but he'd murdered an Egyptian and had to run for his life. He was an outlaw. They were looking for him. His wanted poster was posted on all the pyramids. (laughs) He didn't want to go back there. (laughs) Secondly, he'd already tried to help his people by killing the Egyptian and by trying to help them get along. And he'd failed. Why would he want to try again? Third, his own people had rejected him when he'd tried to help them. They'd said, who are you trying to help us? Get away from us. And then fourth, remember, he's been herding sheep for 40 years. That's not exactly good grooming to go spend time in the court of Pharaoh. Again, the most powerful man on earth. When you've only been talking to sheep for 40 years, you're not exactly ready ready to enter the halls of political power. (laughs) So Moses says, who am I? That's a great question. Who am I? Moses is humbled. He's afraid. He feels like he he has nothing to offer. You know, he looks in his Mission Impossible bag of gadgets and uh, electronic equipment and it's empty. There is nothing there that he has to bring. So he says, who am I? And you know what? He's exactly where God wants him. He's exactly where God wants him, as we'll see. Today, as we go through this passage, I want to ask you to consider for your own life, where is God calling you to be part of building his kingdom in a new way, a mission impossible where he wants to stretch you to trust him in a new way, in ways you never have before? We work so hard to make our lives comfortable and safe, don't we? And God keeps nudging us. Well, where is God nudging you today? Maybe there's a ministry that he's laid on your heart that you keep thinking, wow, this needs to happen at Cole. Maybe to start something new. Maybe God's calling you to step out and make that happen. Or maybe God's nudging you to get involved in an existing ministry. You, you've been so afraid and you've just been staying back. And, but God's nudging you to move out, and and he's calling you like he called Moses, and you're going, well, who am I? (laughs) I just want you to consider what he's nudging you towards today. 
We have needs in our Sunday school. I believe God's nudging some of you to get involved and you're feeling like, but who am I? I don't have what it takes. I haven't worked with kids. They're intimidating to me to a classroom of kids. But God's saying, hey, I'm nudging you. I know it can seem impossible, but I'm nudging you forward. It's God nudging you to forgive someone you haven't forgiven and it seems impossible. To reach out to someone who's addicted or enslaved or maybe to go get help for yourself with an addiction that you've been hiding and never have dealt with, and God's nudging you, and it seems impossible to be able to do that, and yet God's nudging you. And we could go on and on, but I'm just trying to give you some examples. I believe every one of us here are being nudged to trust God in a new way, to step out, to be part of building his kingdom, like Moses was being nudged. And then God provides the resources to make it happen. Even though our bag is empty, God provides the resources. His first provision is his own presence. Listen to verse 12. Moses has said, who am I? And God said, I will be with you. And this is the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Now, Rod talked about this passage last week, but I'm picking up there because it it carries us into the rest of the passage, that God says, I will be with you. And Moses says, well, who are you? You see, from Moses' mindset, being raised in Egypt, there were hundreds of gods. They all had names. You all had certain ways you were to worship them. If you're the God of the sun or the moon or the storm or the Nile River or whatever, you know how to respond to each one. So Moses is saying, okay, which one are you, God? Let me put you in in a little box here so I know how to relate to you. And God says, "Uh, my name is I am that I am. I will be that I will be. It's hard to even define. In other words, God is saying, I'm not in your box, Moses. I'm the one who is always present, always at work, past, present, future. In every circumstance, in every situation, there is no place you can go where you cannot say, God is. God is. I am. I'm a God that exists outside of anything you've ever imagined. I'm bigger. I'm greater. I'm the God of everything. Nothing specific, but everything. (laughs) You see, God's promises His presence for us too, hasn't He? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, that there's no circumstance you can enter No task that you can step out, no matter how impossible it seems, that God isn't completely in the midst of it. Because that's who He is. He's I Am. He's Yahweh. 
And he will walk with us through whatever he asks of us. We can trust him. So God says, I'm giving you my presence, Moses. And not only that, God gives us another provision for our bag. Not only his presence, but he gives us his promises. Now listen very carefully to the promises that he gives Moses from verse 16 on. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Notice the promise in verse 18. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to, the, to Yahweh our God. And God tells him, But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will, I promise, stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, I promise he'll let you go. And I promise I'll make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on, in, put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. And all the way back in verse, 11, or verse 10, excuse me, verse 12, God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will, I promise, worship God at this mountain. So God says, Moses, go. I'll be with you in every circumstance. And Moses, I'm even going to give you specific promises. You will worship me at this mountain. I'll get you there, I promise you. And I'll guide you along the way. When you go to the elders of Israel, they will listen to you. You will go to Pharaoh. He won't listen to you at first. I will do miracles. Then he'll listen. And then you're going to walk out with gold and silver and a set of new clothes, Moses. <laughs> Isn't that great? So God gives him very specific promises, doesn't he? Awesome. So God is saying to him, Trust me. Trust me, Moses. I know it looks like a mission impossible, but trust me. God does that with us too, doesn't he? He gives us his promises. I will be with you. I'll never give you more than you can handle. I'll strengthen you as you need it. I'll use everything that happens in your life for your own good to help you become more like Jesus. I'll build my church and the gates of hell cannot stand against it. I have all authority. I'll meet your needs, every one of them. I'll bless you with life, whatever you face. I'll accomplish my purposes. I have a place in heaven secured for you. It's prepared for you. And I could go on and on. There's so many promises we have been given to trust him as we step out he promises to empower us, to give us what we need. So, isn't that wonderful? God says, okay, Moses, here's your task. Here's your provisions. 
my presence, my promises, now go do it. Go to Pharaoh. And that sounds great, doesn't it? Except, except, <laughs> uh, we, know, we don't find faith very easy. None of us. Moses doesn't and we don't. You see, he gives us his presence and his promises and yet that's not enough for us. And we struggle to trust him and we say, yeah, but, <laughs> Lord, we're all fearful. We're fearful of failure. We're fearful of being humiliated. He may be the God of the universe, but sometimes he's not real enough to us in our everyday life. And so we struggle to trust him. So we're all like Moses. And now as we go on in the passage, we find he gives three excuses as to why it's too hard for him to do what God's asked him to do. So in chapter 4, three excuses. The first one Moses gives is in the first verse. Where Moses answered, God's given him all these resources. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and they say, the Lord Yahweh did not appear to you. Now, remember back in verse 18? <laughs> the elders of Israel will listen to you. God promised that. And Moses goes, yeah, but what if they don't? <laughs> what if they don't? Isn't that just like us? God says, I promise to meet all your needs. And we go, what if you don't? I promise to not give you more than you can handle. Yeah, but what if you do, God? I mean, don't we do that? It's hard for us to trust. Faith is not easy. We can relate to Him because we're just like Moses. I like the way in our, we were talking about this passage in our staff meeting this week and Steve Harrell, one of our pastors, was talking about Part of it for us and Moses is that we're wired to protect ourselves. And if, there, and if we just aren't sure of what's coming, then we do what we can to kind of protect ourselves, put up the hedges. And, and so we don't want to step out into something that looks dangerous, that looks scary to us. And so we want to protect ourselves. And we do that by trying to figure out all the what-ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? And as he said, coming out of the business world, he said, that's what you're taught to do in the business world. You're taught to figure out all the contingencies. What if this happens? Well, then we'll do this. And what if this happens? Well, then we'll do this. And so we, God says, go, trust me. And we say, yeah, but what if this? And what if that? And what if this? And God, have you really thought of all this? Because <laughs> I think I need to think about all this stuff. Because I'm not sure you have. <laughs> So we figure out everything and we say, what if, what if, what if, and we get paralyzed and we end up doing nothing. You see, all the what ifs and trying to plan ahead and figure out all the contingencies makes sense if you live in a dangerous world where it all depends on you. It makes sense if you live in a dangerous world where it all depends on you, you better figure out what's coming. 
But if you live in a world where God is in control and he's working out a plan and he loves you and he's proven it, then it makes far more sense to trust, doesn't it? It just makes more sense to trust him. We take responsibility away from God. Think about, you know, in our, in our home. As we walk through life, I take responsibility with Jeannie, with my wife, to make sure the bills are paid and we figure out where we're going to eat and do the shopping. And we, we take care of all that. Now, wouldn't it be a little foolish for the kids to come in and go, is the utility bill paid? Uh, what am I going to do about it? I've I got to figure this out. And, and who's going to do the shopping? And who's going to do that? You see, they don't have to do any of that, right? Because they trust that we are going to handle it. And God is our Father who loves us and says, I'm taking care of all these things. You can participate with me, but don't take the responsibility away from me, God says. Because when you do, by doing all the what-ifs and trying to figure it out, you're just like a child who's upset about things that he doesn't need to be upset about. And it paralyzes you. He says, trust me as a loving father. Don't take the responsibility from me. So will we live by fear or by faith? And... Let me admit to you, folks, I'm a very fearful person, naturally. I am. And I want to have it figured out, and I don't want to be humiliated, and I don't want to fail. And I have said no to God at times. Not proud of it, but I think I've missed out being part of God's kingdom and trusting Him in ways I could have when I've done that. Now, He has helped me to trust Him. And when I have, I tell you, it's been the most joyful part of my life. There's no greater joy than trusting him and stepping out and seeing him work, giving him the responsibility. So Moses says, what if, what if, what if? And notice God's answer. Verse 2 through 9, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. (laughs) Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was leprous like snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. So how does God respond to him? He gives them three signs. Three signs. And he says, okay, if they have trouble believing you, do these three signs, okay? 
Now, I don't know about you, but I look at these signs and I go, these are weird. They are. They're kind of magical, weird signs. And some have said, well, you know, the sign of power in Egypt was, was the snake and, well, we don't really know about the leprosy and, you know, and they try to make parallels that shows the power over Egypt and all of that. And maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. But you know what I think is really going on? I think God gives Moses these three signs to encourage his faith. Because he's having a hard time trusting God. And God gives him some very physical things so he can know that God's with him. And they're weird and they're magical. And, you know, but you think about Moses there. He throws his staff down and becomes a snake. And he runs away, it says. And then it says, reach out your hand and grab it by the tail. Now, that's the worst place to grab a snake, right? Because it can still bite you then. But Moses sees the snake and he reaches out and he grabs it by the tail and it becomes his staff again. And he puts his hand in and he, he does these miracles, see? And I think what it does is it gives him a very physical way to say, okay, God, you're at work here. I can trust you for these little things. Maybe I can trust you for going to Pharaoh too. <laughs> so you see, God is so compassionate on our lack of faith that he meets us where we are and encourages our faith. He gives us little signs to remind us he's here and he encourages us. And a lot of them seem kind of hokey in some ways, but it's just to encourage us. I think about when I was a new believer and I was having a hard time trusting God and one day we were out camping and I was sitting over a stream or sitting on a log and I was reading my Bible, having my quiet time, having a great time with God. And my Bible slipped out of my hand into the water. And this was a new Bible that someone had given me. It, you know, it was a very personal gift. And, and I just watched it sink. And I jumped in and grabbed it and pulled it out and tried to dry it off. And, you know, but it was, getting, it was all wrinkled and wet and I didn't know what to do. And, well, we packed up and we were headed home. And it was a hot day so we had the windows down. And I put the Bible on the back uh, window shelf of the car and opened it right at the front where it was just soaked the most and we're driving home about an hour's drive home and all of a sudden I'd hear this page turn and then another page and another page and another page and we watched as each page dried out one at a time and all the way home that Bible went through a, more than three-fourths of the Bible page by page God dried that Bible <laughs> now you go oh that's kind of dumb but you know, for me at that point, it was grabbing the tail of a snake. I mean, it was God giving me faith at a time when I really needed it. And you may say, well, God doesn't give me those kinds of practical, you know, personal things. How, how come I don't see those? How come God doesn't encourage my faith that way? Well, let me give you two reasons why I think you may not see those in your life if you don't. Hopefully, hopefully you do. First is... I think God's doing them all the time around us and we just don't have eyes to see. Maybe we need to open our eyes and say, how is God encouraging my faith today? What's he doing to encourage my faith right now? Give me eyes to see it. Because I think he's doing that all the time. 
in little ways so we can learn to step out and trust him with the big things. But secondly, we may not see those because as our faith grows, God doesn't want us to be dependent on those physical things. So we may not get them very much in our lives because he wants us to trust him by faith, not depend on these physical things, but depend on him. And some of you may be sitting out there thinking, well, okay, but, you know, Moses was standing there talking to a burning bush. That was a miracle. That was a huge miracle. God's big. God's, you know, was physical to him and visible to him. Boy, if I had a burning bush, I'd really know God's will and I could really trust him. Well, think about it for a minute. Did it help Moses? (laughs) It didn't. You see, because in the end, it always comes down to faith. Will we trust him and step out even though we don't know how it's all going to work out? That's the Christian life. It's trusting that he is a good, loving father and we do what he calls us to do, what he's nudging us to do, even though it's scary. I don't think a burning bush would have helped me probably and I don't think it would help you. Because in the end, we all have to trust. Moses' second excuse comes in verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Oh, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. What's he saying? Saying, I've never been eloquent. I've never been able to talk, God. I can't pull this off. I'm inadequate. I'm inadequate. Isn't that a common excuse for us? I I don't have what it takes. I can't do this, God. You're asking too much of me. I can't deal with a classroom of kids. I can't start this ministry. I can't reach out to this hurting person. I don't know what it takes. I don't have it. We all feel that way at times. I'll tell you, I never thought I'd speak in front of a group of people. I was terrified of doing that. But yet God, by giving me opportunity and helping me learn to step out and trust Him, has uses me in spite of my weakness and my inadequacies. God's answer to Moses is this. Verse 11, The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? is, Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. God says, it's okay if you're inadequate. I made your mouth. I made you exactly the way I wanted you. I even make people mute and deaf and I still use them. Your inadequacies are not a hindrance to God. They're not. Our weaknesses are not a hindrance to God. In fact, they're part of the plan. They keep us dependent, for one thing, and they make sure that the power's of Him, not of us. What are your physical or emotional or mental disabilities? God says, don't let them be an excuse. I made you that way, and I can use you as you are. That's part of my plan. I have a friend named Sheila. Many of you know her. She 
was born with a birth defect and is wheelchair-bound. And that could be a great excuse to just wallow in self-pity. But you know what she's done? She's used that as an opportunity to, because she has time, she can't work and do other things, to study the Word. She's learned Greek. Now she teaches Greek here at Cole. And she's only, what, 20 years old? She's learning Hebrew, and we meet once a week to discuss Hebrew, but I hardly have to teach her anything because she's such a great learner. She's learning it on her own. She's used this as an opportunity to minister to others and to learn and to grow with God. For her, is she limited? Absolutely. But that limitation, she's turned it into an opportunity rather than an excuse. Well, Moses' final excuse is this. Send somebody else. I don't want to go. God, yeah, you've done all this stuff and you've tried to encourage my faith. Send somebody else. Verse 13. Moses said, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. I won't go. That's the bottom line. Moses' fear is taken over and he says, No. And that's the only time in this passage that God gets angry. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I'll send Aaron with you. You can speak to him. He'll speak for you. But you're still going to go. You're still going to go, Moses. And he does. God says, Okay, you don't want to go alone. Then I will send someone else with you. (laughs) God still provides. He meets him where he is in his struggle to trust. And that's what God does with us. See, because God loves using us in our inadequacy. I think if we refuse God and continue to try to stay safe, we miss out on the opportunity that God wants to do good things for building His kingdom through us. And so it all comes down to this, doesn't it? Will we trust Him or will we live in fear and what ifs and I'm inadequate and I don't want to? It's too scary. Which way do you want to live, folks? I hope you want to live by faith. Is it scary? Sure. But there's nothing more exciting than being part of the kingdom of God, changing lives forever. So what do we learn from this story? Well, that faith is hard, but that God is patient with us, gives us what we need to encourage our faith if we'll only open our eyes. But in the end, we still have to step out and trust Him. We'll never have it all laid out so we know it's going to work out the way we think it should. In the end, we have to trust Him as a Heavenly Father who loves us. But God will use you in your weakness. It's not our bag of tricks and resources that accomplish the purposes of God. It's Him. And He can use us. And I like the way this passage ends, verse 17. God says, Take this staff in your hands so you can perform miraculous signs with it. What is the staff? It's Moses' shepherd's staff he's been using for 40 years to jerk sheep around by the neck. It's just an ordinary stick. And God says, I want to use that ordinary stick to do miraculous things. And what a picture of how God wants to use us, ordinary people, weak, afraid, having a hard time trusting him, to do miraculous things, to change lives and build the kingdom of God.
That's what God does. Because that's what I am is all about. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you love to use ordinary things and ordinary people to accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. Oh, Lord, increase our faith. (laughs) Help us to trust you. Help us to have eyes to see how you've provided for us. And help us to step out into new territory, trusting that you will be adequate for us and in us. Thank you for Moses. What an example. We're just like him, Lord. But help us to be used like he was used in mighty ways. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen.